Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. It's the Windy City White Sox podcast. We've got the King, we've got Mo, we've got Courtney coming up, but I do have to just take a second to try and digest what the hell is going on with Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen has lost his mind. He's now saying that basically Jordan wouldn't have been Jordan without the team. Dude, Jordan was the team. You would not have been you had it not been for MJ. Jordan was waiting for literally one all-star to come along, and when he finally got one, you, which he helped develop, the Bulls never lost. You're right, Scotty. You cannot do it alone. That is true. But unlike other stars, a.k.a. LeBron, who had to go out and find himself Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade and then Kyrie and Kevin Love. Jordan developed mainly you and then took role players. They're all role players. Bill Cartwright, Horace Grant, John Paxson, B.J. Armstrong, Craig Hodges. I can keep going. Cliff Levingston. We all know the roster. They're role players. And they won the NBA championship. And then when he was older and after basketball, he needed a little bit more oomph. But by the end, you were fading away with a bad back, worse giving nothing. Rodman was off getting hammered in Las Vegas. And really the only guy he could rely on in, the, in year three of 3P3, 3P2, thank you, was Tony Kukoc. And here's Michael at the end of his career still carrying the mail. And then, by the way, you go off and get yourself banned from Houston, whatever, you didn't want to be there. And then you get to Portland, and you had the Lakers beat, and you were up a bunch in the fourth quarter, and you lost. You know why? Because you didn't have Mike. That's why. So, and yes, you were past your prime then. But he's talking in a GQ piece. He's saying that the reason that Phil Jackson gave the ball to Tony Kukoc was based on race. Scotty, come on, dude. Come on. The reason why Phil gave the ball to Tony with 1.8 tenths of a second left in Game 3 of 1994 is because basically you never hit a game-winning shot in your life. You hit one, I think it was against the Knicks, off a missed shot and it ended up in your hands in the lane and you hit like a 10-footer. But whenever it was absolutely positively needed, hey, Scotty, here you go, take it and do it, that wasn't you. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. 
you don't have to be the guy that is Jordan. You can be the greatest second banana of all time. But for some reason, it has always bothered you that you were a second banana. By the way, LeBron James, when it comes to game-winning shots for the better part of his career, he's always been a second banana. It wasn't until the very end that he finally has gotten really comfortable in those moments. But before, it was Kyrie hitting the biggest shot in his third NBA championship. It was or his first with the Cleveland Cavaliers. It was Ray Allen bailing him out in championship number two. He wasn't that guy. He wasn't the dude that was hitting game winners in 82 at Carolina and then stepping into the league and hitting game winners as early as his rookie season against the Indiana Pacers. That wasn't, that wasn't him. Great scorer, but not absolute money man in the fourth quarter. You have to have a bucket. You give it to LeBron like you give it to Mike. And it wasn't you either, and that's okay. You're a top 50 all-time NBA player. Maybe you're just out here trying to make some dough with your bourbon and just trying to create attention. But I saw Jamal Crawford with a great tweet. Scotty tripping. KD's attacking Pippen. Like, dude. You're just, you're, you're embarrassing yourself right now. Flat embarrassing yourself. All right, on that note, let's get into it. DeWindy City White Sox podcast starts right now. Showtime. The White Sox aren't playing good baseball. That's, not, that's Mark. That's, that's, that's malarkey. You look that up. That's, you know. I don't need to look up malarkey, King. Yeah. I know what malarkey means, and I don't think it is malarkey. It is oh. malarkey. It, it was a tough week, Okay. I, I think it was. Let me tell you why I think it's a good week. All right. If, if, if there was anything that I'm uh, upset about and maybe concerned about is the trainer, the White Sox trainer, and the fact that we have Engel out with another hamstring on the same hamstring, and we got five outfielders out through June of the season. So, I if if there's any concern, it's with the White Sox trainer. Other than that, I think it's it, it it's you know at some point. You can't buy your own bullshit, and nor can I buy my own bullshit, right? So, you know, we were doing a lot with a little. We're hurt. We were winning being hurt. We, we, we met a better team. I think it was an awakening call so that we can really look at what we need near the trade deadline so that we can beef up this team and continue to forge a winner. Everybody has uh, peaks Why? and valleys in a season. It's just a valley. That's true. There are always peaks and valleys, and eventually injuries were going to catch up. But, Mo, why don't you talk about how you've been avoiding the podcast because the king won't own it. Avoiding the podcast. I think that's a bit of a stretch, Carmen. I think your busy schedule is why we haven't uh, been doing this. I I, I think – King, this is the most subdued I've seen you, and rightfully so, given the performance the last week. It's been a tough week. I think hopefully King's right that it will sort of wake up some folks maybe in the front office and, and will, you know, I, I think it shows they do need to to get help. Um, it's, it's a fine line, though. We've talked about it before, how much you're going to give up to get it. But this team is probably not going to, you know, stay where they're at if, if they don't get help and, and they're not going to get healthy uh, soon enough to help. Courtney, you panicking over Hi. there? Hi, no, Courtney. you know. Hi, hi, Mark. Um, uh, panicking? I wouldn't say I'm. I'm panicked. Am I disappointed? Absolutely. Um, I feel like all teams go through a skit at some point. I mean, the Dodgers are right in the middle of theirs right now, and they're pretty damn talented. 
you know, I believe they lost four in a row. Um, and they got no hit yesterday, which is kind of a disaster. But, um, you know, we've been saying this for a long time, at least I know I have. You know, the Sox cannot continue to put important key players on the IL and lose guys. So at some point, as we discussed, they're going to have to plug, you know, known actual Major League Baseball talents into these positions that are open right now. Eduardo Escobar is a name that I see thrown around quite a bit. Uh, he was extremely popular in the White Sox clubhouse, you know, years ago when he was with them. He'd be an interesting fit. Um, obviously, we already talked about Adam Frazier. But they definitely have to plug guys, legitimate Major League Baseball players, into these holes. Or, I mean, that's gonna, it's going to slip fast. I mean, there's already, we're already down to a two-game lead. I mean, just like that. That's how quickly it can happen. So something, something's got to give here, for sure. So, Mark Carmen, before what? we move on, yeah, I want to ask Scott. you a couple of questions. Go ahead, Scott. Does every I mean, ball club go through geez. a slump? Does, any, does every ball club go through a slump? Yes, of course. Okay. Okay. And I just said and, that, King. I just said that the Dodgers. Exactly. I just, I, I just want to ask Carmen a couple questions because he's such an alarmist. So <laughs> the answer is yes. So next question, Mark. Would you rather have, would you rather experience a slump through uh, playing a horrible team or a really good team? Uh, I actually would rather experience it versus a horrible team because then I wouldn't worry that I don't match up as well with the good team. If I have a, if I have a bad series against the pirates, I can write it off like, Oh, they didn't give a shit playing Pittsburgh. When you lose to Houston who cheated against you, bang the drum and did everything wrong. That is a little bit more alarming to me. Uh, ghost of Danny Farquhar, great man, loved him. Uh, so I, I don't think losing four in a row to the Astros who are going to be in the playoffs can be flipped into that's cool. Just a bad, you know, a, you know, well, like that, that's, that's just, that's better than losing to Kansas city. I wouldn't say that. However, it's very clear that you were never an elite athlete. Because elite athletes like to measure themselves against other elite athletes to be able to determine where they need to go to be champions. So to lose to a loser, that's more upsetting than it is to lose to a winner because you want to measure where you need to go. Now, let me ask you a third question before you comment on that, Mark. Mark, now, would you or would you not want to go through that losing streak at a time when you could do something about it versus a time you couldn't do something about it, albeit the trade deadline. So answer the third question, Mark, before you go back to the second, because I know you weren't an elite athlete. Go ahead. So first of all, silence your phone. Second of all, this is is popular. Your your authority issues are are showing because this is – Carmen's podcast to Windy City on and, and this uh, this unfettered attack on my athletic ability when you have never seen me be an amazing athlete Mo you've seen me on the athletic field can you tell would you alert the king as to my elite athletic talents please elite athlete five tools thank you elite athlete five tools let that sink in king five tools speed power horrible mindset 
Uh, maybe five tools, horrible mindset. It's not a horrible mindset. Yeah, you want to know. You want to know who you're up against. You want to know the best. You want to know. You want to measure yourself at all times, so you know where to go. Okay, well then, this well then, King, true. well then, King, they 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 failed miserably then over the over the last weekend, and that's but the problem. They sure learned. They sure learned what where they need to go, and uh, it probably it 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 probably humbled them a bit. I I agree with you there. And, and maybe it focused them a bit towards where they have to go and what they have to do to be champions. Because like it or not, they're cheating or not, the Houston Astros are champions. So, you know, the, 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 I want to just comment on the Astros quickly here because um, I got to say, the whole cheating thing right now, I don't really buy. I actually think they're a damn talented team. Jose Altuve, I give him a big tip of the cap. I mean, the guy's a little ball player, man. I mean, he's my size. And he's a little ball. He's a damn good ball player. So I tip my cap to the Astros. They, you know, put up with all that heat and yet they're still finding ways to win. I actually respect it. And okay. Look, I was having some fun at the beginning of the podcast here. King. I don't think that losing a series to the Houston Astros in June is going to be indicative of how the White Sox are going to do in October. Okay. Now, and I do think that sure adding on to the ball club is a good thing. And if they needed a bad series to underline the fact that reinforcements would be sweet, then that's not a bad thing either. But I personally don't believe that Rick Hahn and company were unaware that they could use some help at second base, that they could use some help as a bridge to the bullpen. It's how much a bridge to the ninth inning. I don't, and, and I don't think they're going to, I don't see them adding a starting pitcher. I don't know why they would. So it is interesting, by the way, as you, as you look around, do you guys recall when Albert Pujols, became available the negative vitriol no effing way tony's not bringing his best buddy that dude's crushing it for the dodgers playing first base mind you as well hitting the hitting the baseball like an old school albert and your mean mercedes is in the tank so maybe they might have missed the boat there on on albert you know go ahead that, no, no, that's a really good point um, because I was very, very actively against having Pujols come to Chicago, very actively against it, very outspoken about it. Um, I still, to this day, would not have made that move. I just wouldn't have. Um, obviously, Mercedes at the time was killing it, so there was really no room for Pujols. I still would not have made that move. Maybe I'm in the minority here. I mean, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I'm okay with the Sox not grabbing Pujols, personally. But- uh, and, and for the record, I wasn't sitting here screaming on the Whitney City White Sox podcast that they should go get Albert Pujols. But when I was watching the Cubs and the Dodgers last night and the Cubs no hitting the Dodgers, which, by the way, the only other time in Chicago history that there was a combined no hitter did come. No from one the cares. No, it came from the White Sox. Well, maybe I'd like to see your history knowledge, Mo. Do you know what White Sox pitchers combined to beat the Oakland Athletics two to one? In a combined I, no-no? I don't. You know, the, the Cubs throwing a no-hitter last night is a non-event for me. So I, I, I let's know. talk White Sox current. Well, we got issues. Plus, we got to figure it out. Plus, plus six walks, six walks. And I'm like I said, I think I could probably throw a no-hitter these days anyway. So it's not that, we'll not that to, big of a deal these days. We'll get to Courtney's tweets in a minute here. Um, <laughs> it was Fran- King, it was 1976. You were in your prime. Do you, do you have a memory of this? <laughs> 
I don't. I'm sorry. Okay. Francisco Barrios. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm guessing it how to pronounce that, to be honest. And I got a gentleman by the name of Blue Moon Odom. Do either of those guys ring a <laughs> oh, bell? I don't kidding? remember either of them. Okay. All right. Well, no one's going to remember Ryan Tapera and, and, and the other two dudes who did it either uh, down the line, Craig Kimbrell and Andrew Chafin and whoever started last night. Uh, what's his face? Yeah, Zach Davies. So that, that lines up. But my point being here, uh, if I can try to remember what the hell I was talking about, is, is that uh, they know that they, need, that, they, that they need help. They know this. The, here's, here's a question for you. Let's say let what, what what do you think what do you think their number one need is right now? Number one need. Mo to me to can, me it's sure it's it's, it's it's a bridge to the uh to the ninth inning for, for Hendricks. To me, I'm still um a big believer in having a solid bullpen. So, uh, Sox, let me what? cut you off, I'm gonna cut you off, Courtney. You don't think that Michael Kopech's gonna come back and be healthy and be that guy? I <sighs> I mean, I hope so, but, you know, it, it makes me a little nervous. I think they need to go out and get at least one solid arm that could potentially be that bridge to the eighth inning, seventh inning. Um, you know, I, I definitely think it's, it's the bullpen. For me, for me right now, that's where, that's where I would focus. I mean, look, I mean look, at the, look at the Rays bullpen. I mean, guys you've never heard of, and they kill it. They absolutely kill it. To me, that is how you separate good teams. Anybody else want to jump in on biggest help that they need? They need a bat. I mean, they need probably an outfielder. I, I think we talked about Frazier last time. He would fill, you know, he could play second base or outfield. But when you look, look at the guys they don't have in the outfield, as much as I want to think that he was coming back, you know, soon in August, there's no guarantees with him. There's no guarantees with Robert. You can't roll out, you know, the outfield that they do and expect to win consistently over time and especially in the playoffs. So I, I think we need a bat. I, I agree the bullpen could use bolstering. But right now, with with Engel being hurt, you know the outfield's not not very strong. And you know, I look at the last week, and we can call it a slump or not. You know, between Abreu, Moncada, and Anderson, they had two RBIs, and Abreu's highest strikeout percentage of his career right now. I just I don't know if he's trying to do too much, but you know, for this team to do well, I think he needs to be better. For that one, we go to Courtney because you are the biggest Jose Abreu fan in White Sox history. What are you seeing? Um, I, I mean, he's was 100% correct. I mean, what can I say? The numbers are, you know, black and white. He's, he's struggling right now. Is the Jose Abreu a guy I worry about? Do I worry about him? No. Um, you know, it makes me wonder that maybe just like what Mo said, maybe he is trying a little too much. Maybe he's pressing. Um, you know, he obviously guys around him are not exactly getting on base right now either. So that's part of the problem. But um, am I worried about Jose? No, I never worry about Jose. Am I disappointed by the way he's been playing? Absolutely. But do I think he's one home run away from turning around? Absolutely. I do. He hits his home runs in bunches. So I think he can get out of this just as easily as he always has. King, you got a direct line to Rick Hahn and company. Listen, first of all, Abrahi, right? Did, did David Ortiz ever have a little slump? Okay, we got Did it. He, okay, fine. Abreu, yeah, he Abreu's is the David Ortiz in the modern day baseball. Okay, he's fine. Okay, he's fine. He'll be fine. He'll oh. continue to hit. That's all he does is get hits. He's gonna be fine. MVP. I think the White Sox. Not here's not, right. not lately, King. I, I, I understand. Then Mark. Secondly, Mark made a good point. It 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 
this last series was just a, a simply an ex, ex, exclamation point on what they already knew. With that said, it's a seller's market. And you don't want to give away too much to get something that isn't going to be uh, impactful on the field. So I think they're evaluating. I think, Mark, I think, you, I think you're right. And I, I don't say that very often. I think you're right that they know they need something. But I think they're going to try to find the right something. And what they really need is a good trainer, a good dietitian, <laughs> and a good PT guy to get the talent that they do have on this team back on the ball field. Uh, may, a guaranteed rate field might I add. Maybe they, maybe they need to bring back Herm. Did, when, when Herm Schneider retired, things went south. Which I always found amazing, well, they, they, but I, I and, and I don't want to be uh, rude to Herm, but I always found it amazing that the White Sox had a trainer that needed a trainer. <laughs> that never made any Herm sense. Schneider to me. is one of the nicest. I don't care how nice he is. He needed a trainer. Beat. He needed a trainer. Yeah, he but a trainer. He, he all well. He knew his craft. He comes from Clearly. a very good family, and 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 he he cared about those players deeply. Her, I will Herm fight Schneider you all is, day Herm, long. Herm Schneider, Herm Schneider is a good man, but he did give me completely incorrect information on an Achilles injury before, just for the record. But that's for another story for another time. Courtney King, got diagnosed King. by Herm Schneider? This is amazing. I did. I actually did, believe it or not. He gave me completely incorrect information. A little frightening. That never really left my, uh, my head when I saw certain guys going down with injuries. But it's all right. It's all right. I love Herm. He's a good man. I want to know, King, you brought up the trainer and the health and stuff, but if, if you had to get a player, who should the Sox get? Or what should they get? Courtney well, said reliever. I said bat. What, what, what do you want to see? Yeah, I think we need another bat. You know, when you look at what uh, two through – really two through six, two through seven has been producing, it's been anemic, right? It's, 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 it's been bad. And, and surprisingly, I mean, you see Anderson starting to go into a little slump, but – he and number two and number uh, eight and nine were the only guys hitting no matter who was in the, in the lineup. So we need a bat. We need a bat and pool host. He would have been great. Okay. Did I, did I think he would have been when he was available? No, I did not. Uh, the only thing that we could have relied on is his competitiveness and his mindset that he's had in, through his entire career. We could have taken a risk and, and Tony probably missed that because Tony knew him best. So, all right, here you know, I got. We, I got a, we, we might have missed. We, we might have missed a diamond in the rough there. I got a proposal for you. I was on the Rush, which is an NBC Sports' Chicago five o'clock show on their Facebook. All right, uh, I do it every Wednesday now with your guy David Kaplan, which is uh, something that people should be watching in addition to listening to this damn podcast. So, their topic was: Would you trade Michael Kopech for an impact bat? And the guy they named was Trevor Story, shortstop for the Rockies. You could have him play no. second base, or you could have Tim Anderson slide over, no. however you want to do it. Would you, no and no? Did I just hear no and no? No. no? no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay, well, that's what I said. But that, you know, that's a, an all-star caliber player. Mine would be a maybe. Mine would be a maybe. Trevor's story, I like Trevor's story a lot. He might be a product of Coors Field, I'll be honest. Um I don't know what his splits are off the top of my head, but I like him as a, as a human, but I would not make that trade. Absolutely not. I love that Courtney went right to the splits, which of course, as a great 
podcaster I do have in front of you. You want to know home versus away? Is that what you're looking for? That's, ho- that's what I want. Well, and, and it's a very nice call by Courtney. This is why you're on the podcast. At home, he hits 315. On the road, he hits 186. That's this year. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 370 yeah. on base at home, 284 on the road, 508 slug at home, 363 on the road, 878 OPS at home, 647 on the road. That makes a- no sense, Mark. I think, you know, White Sox have shown they're not going to spend the big bucks on the top end pitchers. So when you have a guy like Kopech, who potentially could be a top end pitcher, you're not paying him a ton of money. You're not giving him away for a guy who I know he's 28 years old, but he's, he's a course field guy. He benefits from there. He's a good player, but. I'm not giving up Kopech for that. No okay, thanks. would you get would you give Kopech up for something that is expensive but needed? And my answer would be, let me see what the health report looks like for the players that are hurt coming back. Well, and, if, the, it, and if it's good and it's and and it, and and it's optimistic, then I might trade the guy for something that is less because it's a seller's market, less than the value that you're giving up. Well, let me ask it a different way. Do you – how concerned are you that Michael Kopech is never going to be a sustainable, healthy player? And that might be completely unfair, but I don't know, man. You blow out your hamstring, not running to first base, not doing any, not, not fielding a bunt, not doing anything, but just throwing a baseball and because you landed in the hole wrong or whatever the hell happened, I, that was – to me, it's a little bit alarming. We've already, we've already thrown the blame on the training staff for that one, so we're not going to blame Kopech for it. It's not his fault. Wow. I, I see most tongue-in-cheek right now, but uh, seriously, that's weird, man. And and, and I think it's right this there. This is a weird year, though, Mark. I mean, look at all the guys that are getting hurt with, with the muscle uh, injuries. But, in, but he, didn't, he didn't play last year. He's, you know, he's... Well, keep, keep, in, keep in mind, too, you know, Kopech is a big boy. He's very muscular. You know, I, the muscles are a little bit different when you're carrying all that muscle weight around i mean you know how mark you've been an athlete like you know how it is you can step wrong and all of a sudden things are out of whack for a few weeks what concerns me is you know it's sort of the mystery around michael kopech and i'm you know trying to say that lightly but it just makes me wonder sometimes if he is capable of of getting to that next level he clearly has the, the physical talent to be a fantastic pitcher i just you know you've got to wonder about you know, where he is mentally at times. And I say that very lightly. Yeah. Courtney just reminded me, I love Michael Kopech. He's one of my favorite players on the team, as far as guys that I've gotten to talk to and them being interesting and having uh, a different perspective than your standard baseball player. I am a fan of Michael Kopech. That being said, this is uh, not show friends. This is show business. And the White Sox have to make, you know, some, there's always tough choices that have to be made. I, if you're not trading him, then uh, you, you want an impact player? Well, who are they going to be asking about? Hey, and uh, we want Andrew Vaughn. We want Nick Madrigal. I don't want to we- give any of those two up. Kopech, and here's why. There was a pitcher with the Cubs. He came out of USC. He was a big boy with big thighs. Remember his name, Mark? Yes, I remember Mark Pryor, Scott. Yeah, so you James. remember Mark Pryor, right? Yeah. So – He's a lot like Mark Pryor in terms of staying healthy. Well, if I if the Cubs knew that Mark Pryor was going to blow out, they would have traded him after 03. I, that's my point. So if you're going to trade somebody, Kopech is only the only big bait on the team. Uh, I, 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 just, I, I love I disagree. Well, I disagree. I, 
this might be unpopular, but I've had this discussion with several people. To me, if I'm if I'm trading an impact player, quote unquote impact player, I would potentially trade Garrett Crochet. And I know that might be controversial, but he has not been the same pitcher that he was last year. I, His I velocity is down. I think that's a good suggestion also. I yeah, just don't think I, Crochet, I don't think he has as much value as a Kopech. I just don't. I don't disagree, but I mean, from my understanding there, uh, Andrew Vaughn is untouchable and he should be. They have thought about shopping Magical in the past, so I, that would really bum me out personally, but I can maybe see them packaging him. To me, of all the guys we just named, Crochet to me has the most interest of, for me to let go. Why would Andrew Vaughn be untouchable? That's Why? I yeah. mean, you tell me why. You, you, uh, you, you I, have I two eyes, right? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see him as anywhere near an untouchable player. I'm not saying he's not going to have a good career, but if if you told me that I could, I don't see perennial all star on Andrew Vaughn. I, me personally, and, I agree and, with and, you, Mark. Once again, which is blowing my mind, I just don't think he has the value to get the player we need. I'm, I'm not at, sure of that, about I, that. I, I'm looking at who can bring us the most value, who has the most marquee name, and Kopex the guy. I wonder if I'm not giving up, I'm not giving up Kopech or Crochet. Crochet right now, I think his value would be down a little bit anyways, because to Courtney's point, he's not been the same. And I don't know if that's a mechanical thing, if if there's some underlying thing, but he's a different pitcher right now. So I don't know what team is gonna say, Oh yeah, I'll give you my best player exactly. for a guy like that. I just you know, for me, you're gonna give up Kopech, then what's your rotation gonna look like next year and the year after? I, I granted he could get hurt. Any of these guys could blow out their arms again and Kopech may be the next Mark Fryer, but I'm not giving up that arm for for a guy to fill in right now. And tell me where, what position you're gonna you're gonna pencil in somebody every day with, with this lineup. You're you're assuming Robert's gonna be back, you're assuming Eloy's gonna be back. Are, are you getting a right fielder then because we don't have one? Like where are you getting a star and plugging him in? Right field is a great Focus point, I, I believe, is we're about to get to the, my favorite part of the podcast, which is Courtney's tweets. But haven't, haven't you been yelling about a right fielder for about uh, a month now? I've been yelling about a right fielder for the past five years. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. well, and you could always – outfielders are always available, by the way. It, it, that would be something that you, in theory, if you, are, if you wait patiently and strike at the right time, you can get yourself an impact bat in the outfield around the deadline. That that's the easiest thing historically to find. So, uh, you know, look, last year at the deadline, they didn't do anything. They could have, in theory, had Lance Lynn. I wonder if they could have had him for Dane Dunning then. I, I bet they probably could have with, you know, maybe a drop more. Then what happens in the playoffs? You probably get by the A's. I think that's a fair guess. And who knows what, you know, happens from there. I don't, I don't think they're going to sit out this trade deadline. I really don't. They are, you know, this team is, when you go hire, I'm staying the obvious now, but when you go out and you hire Tony La Russa and everything else that the White Sox have done to get to this point, I don't, I don't think you sit idly by when you're the, by far the best team in the division with the chance to win the World Series. Okay. Everybody agrees with everything that I'm saying. I'm a freaking just, uh, maybe I'm just saying way too many obvious things today. Um, it is your podcast, so we're obliged to agree yeah, with you. No, I, I, I get it. I get it. Should we get to Courtney's tweets? 
Wouldn't God, it be great? But wouldn't it be great to get a Chet Lemon or, <laughs> or a Greg Mazinski or a Richie Zisk? That's a that's a great question. If we go back I mean, in time, back in time, the King, you can name one player that would be in his prime to help this White Sox team. Who would you take? I would take Chet Lemon. I love Chet out there in center field. I move him over to right, and you know, with that big fro and that big bat, and that guy was a lot of fun. Harold Baines and right. Oh, Harold Baines and right, a great call. The lefty yeah. hitter. That, that's a good call. That, that is that Done. is a good call, Mo. That's a good call. Done. He probably could still play. Uh, all right, here we go to at Courtney eight, eight, three, 5,992 followers. She's followed by Richard Roper and, uh, and, and many others that pops up here and 52 others that I know. Um, I have liked about no, wait, a, wait, wait, Mark, we have 52 mutual followers. Wow. 52, we know people, man. 52, uh, such brilliant people like, uh, Jeff Blanzy, uh, <laughs> At Giacomo, Giacomo three thirty four Mo, uh, Amy Dash, major impactor, follows both me and you. Gordon Widenmeyer from the Cubs, Mitch Rosen, six seventy the score. Russell Dorsey is a is a uh, combo follower. Lou Canellis, sweet Lou, love you. Uh, Ryan McGuffey, White Sox extraordinaire. Corey McFerrin, Scott Merkin, uh, Dan Roan, David Haw, all these guys. That's right, we're we're in there together. Dion Miller. Follows both of us. Uh, Slavko, my guy over at NBC Sports. Danny Wysocki, Mark Gonzalez. This is uh, these are it's an elite crew right here. All right, let it me is. go. It let is. me let me let me go back to Courtney's tweets. All right, Courtney, you need, you need a tweet how to uh, get Carmen back on the pre and post game show with that list of followers. You got to you got to help the cause. Oh, I'm working. I'm I'm working Make behind the scenes. We're, we're making it happen. We're, it'll it'll happen. I'm I'm confident. Let, let's start with this. I, I'm, I'm, I am confident too that they're. I'm getting, looking forward to watching Bill Melton this weekend. By the way, Belton, Bill Melton's the man. Um, okay, so Courtney, five hours ago. Now, if you're planning to try to start the wave at the rate tonight, or any of that cup snake nonsense, I'm actually perfectly okay with you still staying home. For the record, Courtney does not want the wave or any Wrigley Field Cupgate. Very upset with uh, with those two activities at a ballpark near your king. I see you smiling. Thoughts? Courtney's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but, I had a dollar. Well, every guaranteed rate is a is a a bastion of fun. Let the people have their fun, for God's sake. King, the wave is unacceptable at any sporting event, and I will die on that hill all day long. It's wrong. It's disrespectful to the game. I don't like it. Done. I'm with Courtney on this one. I can't stand the wave. Although I do think it's acceptable at some stadiums where they have pathetic fans. Like it'd be good in Orlando or any, <laughs> any place where there's just uh, in general, the fans are of, of not of that community. Atlanta would work Vegas. You know, you guys are, no one cares about the team on the product. So go ahead and do the wave. Like, but in Chicago, no, sorry. Mark, unfortunately, or I guess, unfortunately, the definition of fun is not analogous with Mark Carmen. Oh, here Therefore, we go. <laughs> I don't think you're necessarily have the, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, j just the authority to make a comment on that. I, I would, I would move it to Mo and ask him what he thinks because Mo is actually a fun guy and he understands what baseball's all about. Mo, what do you think? <laughs> 
Well, these are deep questions on a, a late Friday. Um, I'm not a huge fan of, of the wave or certainly not whatever the crap that goes on in the Cubs bleachers. But, King, you said this last week, and, and I think it was a valid point. If people are having fun at the ballpark, that's not a bad thing. So in this case, you know, as much as it pains me, I'm going to side with you. Uh, I, I, I will I will take the cardboard oh, cutouts back over the wave. I'll take the cardboard cutouts back all day long. Bring them back. Bring them back. That's next, what we're going to do. Next, Courtney, tweet from three days ago, June 22nd, as we got about six minutes to play in the podcast. Courtney, I can't be the only one who cringes whenever a White Sox player runs hard down the line these days, right? And I'm all about hustle, but sheesh. Now that sounds like a Courtney who's listening to the brilliant takes of yours truly. Don't play hard in your baseball. Stay on the field. When there's two outs and there's nobody on base, don't run hard down to first base and blow out your hamstring like Nick Madrigal did. Don't hang on a fence in spring training like Eloy Jimenez did. It's a 162-game season. You're more valuable being out there than one single play. Why haven't we figured this out yet? This speaks to your training camp thing or your trainer thing, King. Don't play hard. Don't play hard. Or, or always play hard, but I'm still cringing. I can still cringe, just always play hard. It's good. And I did have you in mind, Mark, when I tweeted that, by the way. It was all about you. Thank you very much. I, That's all. I, I, I subtweeted you, as the kids say. It was a subtweet to, to you. There we go. I, I, I appreciate it. Um, this is my favorite. Do, yeah. do you always try your best on your podcasts? That's different. <laughs> That's different. No, just to answer the question, yes or no? No, but no. Yes, I do. I do, King. Okay. Are you a professional, Mark? Are you a professional? Debatable, but yes, I am, King. I okay, am. Okay, so professionals. So I, I agree with you, and I respect your how you, you you conduct yourself in your life. Therefore, professionals should play hard, and they should run. Hard and smart. Hard hard can be 75%. I, Mo, what do you think? You're a guy that never ran hard down to first base all the time. I ran hard. I just didn't run fast. There's a <laughs> difference. Well, listen, you got to play hard. Is there a time to be smart? Absolutely. Jumping for the ball in spring training is, is, you know, certainly not the smartest, but trying to beat out a hit, that's part of the game. And at what point do you say, oh, now I'm going to try, now I'm not? You know, oh, there's a ball in the outfield. I'm not going to die for it because it may get hurt. Like, nobody wants to see that. It sucks that these guys got hurt, but I don't think, you know, loafing is, is the right answer. Maybe that works in, in Wrigleyville, but but not on the south side. I love these shots at the Cubs. It's brilliant. Um, okay, I'm going to read a, a, a Courtney retweet as we wrap up here, which I just found very entertaining. Uh, there was a guy on, on Twitter by the name of well, he's at M-A-M-E-R-I-X, Eric. Men, stay away from vulgar women. A feminine, respectful woman values what she speaks or writes. A woman who easily says or writes, fuck, vagina, dick, is a no. Vulgar women are damaged women who come with emotional baggage. Focus on your life. Has- hashtag masculinity Saturday. Courtney retweeted that with, fuck off. And I thought that, (laughs) (laughs) and I thought that was absolutely epic. Uh, Good. 
And I think we should all praise Courtney because women should be allowed to use all the vulgar language that men use. That dude's an asshole. I don't necessarily love profanity on a podcast because just because it's a podcast doesn't mean I'm not trying to be big cat here. Who's enormously successful and I'm extremely jealous of, Uh, but sometimes it is absolutely worth bringing in. That was an amazing retweet. Eric, sincerely from all of us, I think on DeWinda, you can go fuck yourself. And I'm also confused. I mean, Vagina is a scientific word. I mean, we're not supposed to say that. I'm very confused. So I'm also confused. But story of my life. All good. I think the kid was from Puerto Rico. I think we we're playing Puerto Rico. <laughs> this, is some, uh, this is some kid from Puerto Rico. This program was recorded on tape for a live audience. And Michael is screaming at him. And I'm like, you know, Michael, the kid, he, I don't even know if he meant, I don't even know if he said it, but no, no, no. He said it. I read it in the newspaper. I mean, we're laughing our ass off. Is there a way we can help you make up with Michael Jordan? Is there ever going to be a sit down between you two? I love Michael. Uh, I miss Michael. Uh, it's really an unfortunate situation. He, we were like brothers for, and I love him like a brother. But you know what? Uh, man, I got to do my job. Like, your job is not to bash guys you don't. One of the reasons I hate, like, Skip Bayless. I hate that dude. Your job is not to be nice to guys who are your friends or pump up guys that you like or be against guys you don't like. I remember the night the late, great Kobe Bryant texted me like 50 times one night cursing me out. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.